the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Sports fans with no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and big time articles than The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. There's a podcast farm, there's a great app. It is ad-free content, exclusive content. You can tell it which teams you like, which leagues you like. It'll throw out all that NHL stuff if you're not a fan and really focus the content on what you want and need the most on a daily basis. Theathletic.com slash spot track, 40% off today. And of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, providing financial solutions for professional athletes for years and years. They know what they're doing. There's a reason they've been around forever. And this specific department really has helped athletes Get themselves in shape, right? It's a big change. It's a life-changing event to get yourself up into a professional league and get your first signing bonus and get your first contract and then be prospectively looking towards your second contract, which is the big-time payday. You got to know how to handle that kind of money. And oh, by the way, you're busy training. You're busy doing things. You shouldn't be the one that, be, that should be involved with these kind of things. Yes, you should be helping to make the decisions. Yes, you should be knowledgeable of what's happening. But a company like this, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, gets you involved, but does the work for you. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE to get started today. That's morganstanley.com slash GSE. All right. Our last Dynasty Extension Candidate segment. Who's going to get paid maybe in the next couple of weeks? Who's going to get paid after the 2021 season, but it all matters to you salary cap fantasy people, because if you're living in value right now with rookie contracts, that second contract's coming. And for a lot of these positions, it is not going to be cheap. And as promised, today will be the pass catchers, wide receivers, tight ends, bunch of notable names. Let's start here. Julio Jones is out. He's a Tennessee Titan. That leaves two pretty solid wide receiver options for Matt Ryan and those Atlanta Falcons, starting with Calvin Ridley, who's on 2.7 million per year right now in his rookie contract. He is in the final year of that rookie contract heading towards free agency. Not good news for the Falcons who do need a WR one. They're hoping this is a guy, excuse me, he's getting year four. There is a fifth year option. So they do have a little bit of time to figure this one out. That fifth year options, 11.1 million next year. So if you're in one of those fantasy leagues that uses fifth year options as a separate contract, you're going to jump from 2.7 million to 11.1 million, except <laughs> if he does what he think, what I think he's going to do as Julio Jones shadow over the past three years, I've got him valued as 18.8 million, almost 19 million a year, which means if he takes over the reins here and really starts to produce and really shows that the number 26 overall pick that they gave him three years ago can really be a legitimate number one option. This is going to be huge. This is going to go from 19 to 24 to 25 pretty quickly. I mean, he's going to become, because of his age, he's going to be in that Devontae Adams conversation for 25 million plus per year. He may not get there. It may be more realistic to put him at 22 million per year, but he's already hovering at the 20 million point. And with any kind of success in that bigger role, it's going to go way higher than that. So knowing you have the fifth year option next year, knowing that, let me put it this way. The Falcons could be great, could be above average, could be awful because of that defense this year. They could be awful, which could mean new quarterback in 2022. It could. So that what does that mean for Calvin Ridley? These are all things you have to think about as an owner of, of Ridley and Russell Gage, the next guy. Gage isn't going to jump as much, but if he's a WR2 now, he showed flashes last year that he could really handle something like that. So if he's coming in on real cheap, right? 650 per year, 
What's to say he's not going to be 8 to 11? What's to say he can't get a Nelson Aguilar contract at 11 million per year out of nowhere from a contender? It's possible. So he's on he's coming up for and for year 4 here. He's going to be extension eligible. He's going to be considered for a bigger role in this offense as well. Just know that everything's on the table with this team, but that Calvin Ridley probably in the next 18 months is going to be 20, 20 million plus. There's almost no question about it. Chris Goblin owners, you know the franchise tag is sticking this year. You know after this year, you know his play has a lot to do with this. I'm not sure that Tampa Bay will keep him one more year. I really don't. I think this might be a one-year deal to keep the whole band together, and then next year, some of these pieces really are going to have to fall off. And I wonder if this isn't one of those pieces in Godwin. So if Godwin hits the open market next year and he's the guy, maybe him and Allen Robinson possibly hit the market as the guys, he's going to get paid. It's $20 million plus. Okay, Kenny Galladay got an 18. He was injured. He was inconsistent. That's not Chris Godwin. So you got to you got to think it's north of that more that point for, in terms of free agent signings. So he's going to go up from his franchise tag this year is my point, and it might not be with Tampa Bay. It might be with a bad team. It might be with a team that can afford him and wants to overpay for him because they're a bad team looking to improve. No, that's coming. I'd feel a little better about Allen Robinson because of Justin Fields, but Allen Robinson's already at nineteen million, eighteen million and change. Excuse me. So he's going north of 20 easily. His second tag is already 20 million plus. So he's going north of 20 easily after this, after this upcoming season. So Robinson, Ridley, A.J. Brown's going to be extension eligible. He's getting to 20. And he should have more help now with that, with Julio Jones now kind of shadowing him on the other side of the ball. Cortland Sutton has a real chance to take a step forward, although I think he's probably two years away from payday. DJ Moore in Carolina is on an expiring contract. He's got a brand new shiny toy in Sam Darnold throwing him the ball, which could be an improvement. DJ Shark, we're going to talk about the Jaguars a lot. Is this Trevor Lawrence year one going to be as good as advertised? Because the Jags are paying as if it's time to go right now. We think this guy can step in and do it right now. We like the weapons on the wide receivers. We like the running backs we have with Robinson and now ETN. There's a lot of balls to be fed around here, though. So I wonder if the production will actually get him to a point where he can get 15 million plus. I've got DJ Chark valued at 13 million. He, he is injured entering the season here, so there's a bit of a setback in that regard. But he's going to get paid. You know, there's going to be opportunities for him that really put kind of put him in the spotlight on that roster. I think he probably sticks if it's working out. The Jags can really afford to extend some of their own after this upcoming season. So that's a guy who could get himself up to 15, but for now, he's going to be cheaper than that. Is that a value dynasty option for you based on Adams going to 25, Robinson going 20, A.J. Brown going 20, Calvin Ridley going 20, Chris Garvin going 20, um, you know, Sutton, D.J. Moore, D.J. Shark. Are they going to be more value guys, tier three pay for your upcoming season? Probably. That's probably how, to, how I'd assess that. And then, oh, by the way, after this year, D.K. Metcalf, sky's the limit. The sky is absolutely the limit with this contract. Um, they did extend Tyler Lockett this offseason. Russell Wilson has some question marks with him. So who's throwing him the ball could be a consideration after this year. But if everything goes well and Seattle kind of keeps himself at the top of that division and Russ wants to stay and they actually address his contract next year as well, this is going to be $25 million plus for DK because he's already showed MVP top wide receiver stuff. 
So if he does it again, now tears in a row, you just, you know how this is next man up. It's next man up 25 million a year, you know, tons guaranteed. It's going to happen. And they're going to have Lockett and Metcalf extremely highly paid on that roster. So in terms of what can happen after this year, it's Brown and, and Metcalf. You know, Sutton's probably in a waiting pattern. Chark's probably in a waiting pattern. Michael Gallup's a guy who could get into this conversation based on what happens with the rest of that roster. Does Amari Cooper fall off? And is it CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup going forward? Possibly. DJ Moore has the fifth year option next year along with, you know, Calvin Ridley. So those two are sort of aligned at the hip with can they both take steps forward or does Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold and those kind of situations kind of suppress DJ Moore again this year like he did last year. But there could be some moving parts with these 8 to 10 players, no question about it. And much can be said for the tight end position as well. Mark Andrews is kind of the guy we're all waiting for right now. The uh, the consensus was that the Baltimore Ravens were going to extend him, but it seems as though Lamar and him are in a waiting game. I'm not sure the Ravens like who they are in terms of Super Bowl contention, and they don't want to spend recklessly until they either fix some things or see it unfold in the regular season. And that's good business for me if that's how Baltimore's acting. If Baltimore's saying... Lamar, we're definitely going to pay you 45 or 44. We just got to, we just got to see it for six more weeks. We made some changes at the wide receiver position. You know, we want to make sure Andrews gets back to health so that we can push him out and make sure he's here in the contention window for two to three years. Cause that's what it's going to be. It's going to be two to three years of guaranteed money for all of these guys, you know, Lamar a lot more than Andrews, but I've got Andrews on a four year, $52 million extension right now, which is three, 4 million less than your Kittles and your Kelsey's, but really good money really good top five tight end money. So I expect that to happen. I just think there is a bit of a waiting game with Baltimore from their end. And and a guy I really think that should step forward this year is Dallas Goddard because the Zachary stuff is completely an unknown. Um, seems like maybe he sticks for the first couple of weeks here and maybe he's a trade deadline candidate. Maybe they find the Zacherts of old. Maybe him and Jalen Hurts have a relationship and, and Ertz gets extended. But Goddard's got a real chance to take over the reins here and put himself in a position for a really nice second contract. He is, you know, a, a number 49 overall selection. He's in an expiring contract year. Somebody's going to pay him. You know, I could see Houston or Indy or somebody like that throwing good money at him in free agency next year. But there's a chance that if, you know, Earth falls off this roster or there's an injury or whatever, and he really takes over and, and, and forges a relationship, that this is the first big extension for Philadelphia under this new regime. So, Certainly that's a name to think of. And Mike Isecki with Miami, very similar situation to everything else I just mentioned and referenced. He and Tua have a chance to really connect together. Kaseki could be the top option in some games. You know, I know Jalen Waddle's there now. I know there's some options that Tua should be able to connect with down the field, but in terms of production and maybe PPR value, Kaseki should be that guy if he can round into form. So can he do it on a consistent basis? And is it a situation where Miami wants to extend him maybe a little bit early He's expiring as well. So he and Dallas Goddard, very similar draft positions, similar contract breakdowns, both heading to situ- into similar situations in 2021. Okay. I'm going to bring in Scott Allen for some more NFL talk. We're going to break down the spending this offseason from various teams. So different categories, right? Your top overall spenders, your top free agent spenders, your top extensions, your top trades this offseason. I've got five the trades that I, I deemed that could be very, very impactful for the season and what that means. We're going to meld the money with projected win totals from FanDuel. 
and how those things relate, right? So why did Team X spend the money? What does it mean for their current upcoming season? And how, how impactful can spending acquisition of players be in the very short future in, in just the next one year? So we have a pretty good conversation ahead about which teams are built to win, which teams maybe fell in love with themselves and spent accordingly. All right, so get that with Scott next. But first, Balance Bridge Funding has been providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. They have dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a prepayment plan catered to your client's financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay it back early. Whether your client is currently under contract, needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest or make purchase on a future contract, or looking to borrow money for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look and provide a solution to be a resource for you and your client today. Visit balancedbridge.com. That's balancedbridge.com. Scott, welcome back for the first time in what, six weeks maybe? This is not an NBA segment. <laughs> I'm going to bring <laughs> yeah, you right. back into the world of the NFL football game because it is that time of year. It is the end of the offseason here, give or take. A couple of meaningless preseason games left over the next week and a half, and then that's it. Um, so we can recap a little bit. Here's what I want to do. I want to put two thoughts together into one conversation, which is the spenders, the, the big and the little spenders this offseason in various category groups versus how they look in terms of win projections, um, you know, contention, things like that. I, I want to have meld those conversations together this year, Scott. So, you know, for instance, I'll bury the lead here. The Jaguars are the fifth highest offseason spender in the NFL. That's a very different story than the Bills being the first <laughs> top offseason spender. Um, you can understand where I'm going with this. Different avenues, different reasoning, um, different windows for these teams. So I know you're on board with this. Let's let's start with this top five list. I'm going to run down the top five. Bills, 49ers, Patriots, Cowboys, Jaguars. There's your top five offseason spenders. Does anything there stand out like a sore thumb to you? Yeah, the Jaguars for one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, being top five heavy spenders, they number one draft pick with Trevor Lawrence and all, all of that. So, you know, they spent a lot, but they're rebuilding at the same time and trying to compete immediately. Yeah, that's the question to have here. You know, and I'm going to talk about this with Cousin Dan next episode, Scott, to be honest with you. Um, just to kind of promote that, I'm going to have Dan on here from the fantasy side to basically say, all right, what does this mean for both? You know, what what does the real world decisions in the NFL this offseason mean from a fantasy perspective? And and to me, the Jaguars are, are the toughest team to decipher right now because generally speaking, you draft a quarterback, number one or number two or number three, you're not a good team. So there shouldn't be expectations at that point in game. There is a decent amount of weapons on this roster. We've talked about it before. You know, there's a running back. There's a couple of wide receivers. They've added a couple of tight, tight ends this offseason. And they spent the majority of this money, Scott, is defensive free agency signings. That's what this is. That's why this number looks like it does. And a pretty high draft cap as well. But the thing with this is, Shiny new toy, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, kind of two and one there. 
uh, what we see a lot, and we've been doing this for you know almost two decades now, there's a lot of pieces that don't stick after year one of this kind of new regime, which this is, new quarterback, new regime, new coach. I just don't know how much you can trust. So yeah, they they put 315 million of total value contracts into this offseason, but how much of that even sticks to 2022? That's that's where I am with that team. It, and quite frankly, yeah, Scott, that, I'd say the same about the Patriots on this list. Yeah, I, I think the Jaguars. I don't think they're just gonna you know give up after year one here, knowing that they've spent all on that defense and then they have Trevor Lawrence and ETN and some other shiny weapons that are there. I think you got to give them at least two or three years to see where things may, may go. Will they punt on some of those heavy defensive guys? Potentially maybe they're trade pieces at some point, but I think for, for all intensive purposes for the Jaguars, they have to see where the new head coach and where they can go with the players that they've added They've they've done this before where they've spent heavy three years in a row. I, mean, I want to say like five or six years ago where they were the top free agency spenders. And, you know, we, we've seen where that has gotten them. But I think with a new head coach, if they spent all that money in defense and free agency, they obviously knew that they were going to target, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and then other offensive weapons in the draft. So they've sort of done their due diligence where they've got their offense on cheap valued rookie contracts right now and they're spending on the defensive side it's going to be really interesting to see how it all melds together yeah over under on the jags you got a guess on that uh seven yes yeah, seven, seven and a half seven and a half that's the number yeah that's the number FanDuel. by the way FanDuel sportsbook for all these numbers um there's pretty good value to go over um yeah, eight and a half, I guess, is pretty good value. But, you know, for the most part, this is about between five and seven wins for this team, which is actually, that's a pretty good number for Trevor Lawrence coming in, knowing what they did last year, which was absolutely nothing. So it's kind of a lot of respect for him coming in. And, and maybe maybe I'm wrong here with this assessment. Maybe this is a pretty good roster right out of the gate, and you should be relying on some of these players on the long term. There's a decent amount of UFAs, though, set for 2022. So... I'm going to stand by my my initial thought that a lot of these pieces may be one and done. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's go backwards then from this top spenders. Cowboys are fourth. A lot of that is Dak. A lot of that is draft though, Scott. This is one of the highest draft pools because of 11 picks for the Cowboys in the entire NFL this season. So that's kind of a, an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? That you finally paid your QB1 and you spent a ton of money draft money, well, not a ton, but more than most, into a new rookie class, which is, I've said this before, the Dallas Cowboys just seem to be doing things the right way. They haven't won in a long time. They're certainly not America's team anymore, but, but, you know, they built the offensive line before they got the quarterback, and then they ended up getting the other quarterback kind of out of nowhere. I think that's, I think this could be a huge offseason for Dallas if three of those Look, they had 11 picks. Let's say three of them are starters. You know what I mean? Let's say six of them stick. You've just now replenished a gigantic portion of your active roster on the cheap over the next four to five years based on first-year options and all that. This this could be a very, very, uh, you know, contentious but great year for the Cowboys. Certainly, if Dak stays healthy, they're in win-now mode. But 
Dak staying healthy with a brand new contract plus 11 rookie draft picks signed. That that means there's some staying power on this team if, if they've done their homework and done things right. So I give this team a lot of credit. They could have only signed Dak Prescott and looked the other way. You know, added a piece here and there on the defense, which is kind of what they did. They did not do that. And they've had three or four offensive line pieces move off from injuries or retirements, things like that. It's been kind of a weird last couple of years, especially with Dak's injury. But I, I give them credit. I think this could be a huge season for them in the now and then also two or three years down the road when some of these rookies are coming to fruition. Yeah, they're, they're building themselves through the draft. I mean, they drafted Dak. They drafted Zeke. They yeah. have some other of those defensive players. Every, this, keep going, yeah. It, 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 so it's, it's sort of NBA-ish where that's what the league wants you to build through the draft, and Dallas is doing that. If they can keep their homegrown guys and they're actually drafting well, you know, like you just said, that's value if all – you know, if half of those draft picks even hit and right. they're starters, you know, that that's huge value because you had paid your quarterback, you had paid your running back, you had paid your number one wide receiver. So if it hits, kudos to them. You're right. The edge rusher, the inside linebacker, there's, there's a lot of big contracts on this roster. And, you know, back to my original point, Scott, how many teams in the league after having to pay Dak Prescott 126 million fully guaranteed just sit on their hands? this off season and say, that's all we're going to do. We're not going to hear You know what I mean? From a cap and cash standpoint, that's all we're going to handle this off season. We'll nickel and dime ourselves with some minimum guys here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah. That, you know, that's what most baseball teams would do. Heck, that's what 25% of the NBA teams would do as you've seen. You know what I mean? That's yep. what, that's, that's essentially what the Lakers have done this year. Have they not? Right. Like, it, they did. Yeah, this, they did absolutely. their signing the past two years. Now they're on minimum guys. And, and in fact, they had to take a lot of guys off of that roster this year to sort of get themselves back right. This is the Dallas Cowboys acting like a big market team. This is, this is we are Dallas. We are not, you know, Miami. We are not Houston. We are the Dallas Cowboys. And there's not there's nothing that we won't do in any given year to, to be the top contenders, not only this year, but for the next two to three years. I give them a lot of credit. You know, I didn't see this one coming as that being that high up the list. You can take the Patriots if you want, because this is a whole well, different well, story. Let, well, let me guess on the wins. Uh, I'm sorry. Before yeah, thank you. Uh, what? Ten wins? Nine and a half? It's ten and a half is the is the favorite odds right now for that Dallas team. Um, and, and let me quickly look around the NFC. So Washington's nine and a half. Philly's seven and a half. And the Giants are eight and a half. All right. So that's pretty handedly. The, yeah. the division winner right there, which goes with what we're saying. I'm not sure they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're the only team in that division even contending at plus 10 wins right now. And don't forget, it's a 17-game season now, so there's a little bit more to that. But I, I think it's exactly what we're saying. You know, This is a team that should be very, very good this year. And if the rest of their spending this year pays off, they should be good for two to three to four years. So good for them. Patriots, $373 million, third in the league, almost all of its free agency. I mean, there were really no extensions internally. They had a couple of retirements. They had a couple of guys they traded away. They did acquire Trent Brown to bring him back to the right side of the offensive line for whatever quarterback it's going to be. That's still certainly a TBD. But big-time free agents, you know, uncharacteristically for the New England Patriots. Do you feel better about the Patriots or the Jaguars right now? Oh, good question. Um, 
I'll go. I'll go Jaguars. Okay. Because um, of Lawrence, I, or because of the whole product. I I'm going to say because of the whole product. Okay. I I think what New England has done is an overreaction to what they didn't do last year. And so especially what we saw in free agency where they, they went after their, their two major tight ends and and gobbled that up. Um, And then we really didn't see them do much outside of Mac Jones that I can remember in the draft. So they at least think they have a quarterback, but if not, then, you know, they're going to have to start over in, in that area. But I think what they've done is an overreaction, and maybe it's the right overreaction. But we we've seen this in the past with them, where you know if if they they miss on a draft, they try to overcompensate for missing on those draft picks. So I, I think that's what they've had to do here. My my guess is they're going to be what eight and a half wins, nine wins, somewhere in the middle there. Um, I'm going to look right now. Ten and a half. Oh wow, that's higher than I would have guessed. So the way FanDuel is doing it, Scott, is they're giving you six odds, right? So they're I, I guess the betting odds are eight and a half. You can make a little money off ten and a half. So right around nine, nine and a half is probably where the sweet spot is I, for this team. So it's closer to where you were thinking then. I, um, yeah, and I think that with this team. You know, we're talking about how much they've spent in free agency, yeah. and this this does not include the guys that they're getting back from COVID opt outs. So, you know, they do have guys that they had on the roster that they're going to bring back that are, you know, they missed out on a year. That's a year of pounding that they didn't take on their bodies that probably could factor into as a I don't even know what you would con- constitute them as is, you know, like a pseudo free agent that they're they're coming back. So, you know it's going to be interesting to see how that roster goes, especially how, like I said, their overcompensation of spending, which they don't usually do. I like that approach. We've talked about that before. I remember the dream team, the Philadelphia Eagles tried to build through free agency, you know, forever ago, and it was just a disaster. So I always look to that when I, when I see a team go all in like this in, in free agency, almost exclusively, which is what they did. You're right about the COVID guys. The defense is going to be way better than most people think. And I know Buffalo's in this division. I know Miami's in this division. This t- this team's going to give them fits, just like they used to. <laughs> you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of better looking Patriots wins than than we saw last year. They still won a heck of a lot of games, more games than I thought last year. I, they're probably a better than 500 team, so I, I'd probably bet over on this roster right now. But the reason you picked the Jaguars over the Patriots when I asked that question, Scott, is, I mean, you have to feel better about James Robinson, Travis Etienne, DJ Shark, and Trevor Lawrence yeah. than you do about Sony Michelle, Nikhil Harry, <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, Cam Newton, yes. and or Mac Jones. I mean, it just doesn't add up on paper right now for me. We have, we have to see it to believe it with this team. And they've made, you know, they've put themselves 200 million guaranteed into a roster that they think is going to work, but I'm not sure many other people do at this point. So it's, uh, they are must see television this year, maybe for the good or the bad, you know? Yes, completely agree. All right. We're going to mention the 49ers a lot in this conversation. They are the number two off season spenders in the league as of now. There's a chance. I don't know where the money, where the money would go to, but they're only about, 
18 million behind the Bills, who are the breadwinners right now. So 416 million allocated to to kind of evenly to extensions and free agency this offseason. And that doesn't even include really, you know, the, the trade acquisitions and things like that they did. They were a busy, busy team. We'll get to the Trey Lance part of it down the road a bit here, Scott. But um, this was a Super Bowl runner-up two years ago. They took a huge step back last year. Jimmy G has been essentially replaced, even though he's. it, it certainly looks like it's going to be his team for the interim. The defense is really good. And when the defense got injured to the point of where that team couldn't keep up last year, isn't that the only answer? I mean, if they stay healthy on that side of the ball and Jimmy Garoppolo manages the games like he did two years ago, this should be one of the top teams in the NFC. Yeah, completely agree. Okay. Yes. What's your over-under then on them before we get down into uh, it? Ten and a half. Okay, so you can, you can start to make money at nine and a half with this team. Okay. Okay. So basically at 10, you're in good shape. Yeah. It's a tough division, so I'm not going to discredit it from that angle. But I, I think I like this team more than maybe many do. Um, there's a lot of... There were a lot of holy cows two years ago that we just didn't see last year because of injuries. There's no reason to believe that all of those shouldn't be back, right? Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. There should be a lot back. I'm not sure about the secondary, but they spent because they love their core and they spent because they had a couple of glaring holes that they wanted to address immediately. That's why this team is $400 million plus in terms of the offseason spending. They love their team. They address their future at the quarterback position, but they they clearly liked Garoppolo enough not to move off of him. There were certainly chances to do that this year. There's no question about it, even with the, the Carson Wentz injury, right? I, uh, I think this is a team that's undervalued across the board based on this dollar, based on the dollars they spent this year, Scott. That's how I evaluate the 416 million spent. Mm-hmm. That they love themselves, so we should too, right? Yeah, and you made great points. I'm I'm going to add on to that with they've they've built their roster the way we've been talking about for the last few years, yeah, where they've got their they've got they brought in their offensive line, they've got weapons on the wide receiver, they've got some running back weapons, and then you've got Jimmy G. But then if you got to plug in Trey Lance, and he is legit that Kyle Shanahan thinks he is, then that offense is going to be. A well, force to be reckoned. Guess what team was the last to do it exactly like you just said? Draft running backs, draft wide receivers, build an offensive line of veterans slash, you know, drafted rookies, and have have a savvy veteran quarterback play for a little bit and then bring in a superstar rookie. Chiefs. Chiefs. And that's the exact recipe. So why would we discount that recipe? It is successful. Right. Um so I yeah, I'm a, I, I really, really like this team. It's a tough division. They're gonna take their lumps. But they're going to be a factor in December and January, and uh, they know it. That's based on what they did this offseason. Speaking of which, <laughs> number one spender, as a, as aforementioned, Buffalo Bills, $434 million. Much of that is Josh Allen, but it's eight extensions. It's eight guys coming back on this roster. I didn't think half of those guys would be back based on what we had them valued at. Many of them took a couple million less to stick around. Most of them took cap flexibility contracts where there's void years and and a lot of money pushing to 22 or 23 to make it work this year. That's good stuff from the Buffalo Bills. I don't think there's a contract that I hate in this roster right now, and that's really tough to say. 
you know, knowing how much movement has had to happen over the past five years with this team. But this is, there's a reason that they spent what they spent. There's a reason they like the players that they kept. Um, there's a QB one on this roster for the first time in 35 years. And, uh, you know, they're the number two team in the AFC right now. Is there any other thing to say about them? Are they overvalued? Do, do, do you think that at all, Scott? No, I don't think they're overvalued. Okay. And I, I, I think the, the underestimated part of the Buffalo Bills right now is that they've built a culture, and that's the word that they've used, is building a culture. But they know how to treat and speak to the younger generation of athletes coming in. So the fact that you've had these players on extensions, but some of them sort of took a hometown discount to stay instead of going somewhere else shows that the organization itself is doing something the right way, because otherwise you would have had those players taking more money elsewhere to go somewhere else. And in the past with the Buffalo bills, you've seen that happen. You know, Jerry's bird going to the saints and, um, some other guys that I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but you know, it shows that they're doing something right, that they're able to retain the players. And the fact that they're extending these guys shows that their scouting department is doing the right thing by finding the guys that are going to fit well, not only short-term, but potentially long-term. It's a good point. It's a really good point. You know, the, the, the non-tangibles, that, that side of it, uh, it seems like, and, and I'm here kind of reading the local media a lot with it too, it seems like it's gelling. It seems like Josh Allen is the right kind of leader, both for this team and this city, by the way. Um, it's tough. It's just tough to hate what's happening at, at all with this roster. Where can you start to make money from a win standpoint with this team, Scott? What's your guess? Mm, I'm going to guess um, probably at 10 and a half. 12. Not till 12. 12. Not okay. 12, 11 and a half over is plus one Oh five right now on FanDuel Sportsbook. Do we say what the 49ers was is that around? Yeah, 10? we did. Um, that was, okay. you can start to make money at 10. Yep. With the 49ers. So that, okay. a two game, a, a two win slide between the 49ers and the bills. But if you look at the Super Bowl odds, they're basically neck and neck. So, so think about yes, what you, that's a regular season gamble is what that is. That means, the Niners have a harder path to get there than the Bills do, unless you think the Patriots are going to be good, which if you think that, then you shouldn't be betting the Bills to win 12 because the Patriots could wreck a couple of these weeks for the Buffalo Bills over the course of the season. And I think, right. And I was just going yeah. to say that if the Bills are that high and the Patriots are at 10 and a half, that's, you know, it could swing either way. And yeah, then that means two is terrible. <laughs> that means two is terrible. Two is terrible, and the Jets are still terrible. Well, yeah, I'm not giving them much credit yet. They're not on this list today, Scott. Let's just specify free agency. We mentioned the Patriots. They were the breadwinners at 289. The 49ers were second at 193. The Jaguars were third. That's really something. I mean, if you think about a team that has the number one pick, has two first-round picks, they take two offensive weapons in the first round this season, this May, and then turn around or actually, excuse me, in reverse, before that even happened, they had, they had already spent $162 million in free agency, basically on the defensive side of the ball. So it's, a, it's an all-in approach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer is not sitting on his hands. I don't, he, you know, he's got health problems himself. He probably doesn't want to be there for the next 10 years. He's probably a five-year plan for, for an NFL coaching job. So he's, he's saying, let's get in, let's get... Busy. Let's get dirty and try to win some ball games right now. 
that generally doesn't work. We, we, we just don't see first-year rookies win. I, I think it was Ben, right? Roethlisberger was the last one forever ago. Uh, yeah. Russell did it, I think, year two. I might be wrong on that. Did Russell do it in his first year? Huh. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it's just a rare thing. You know that. Usually it takes two to three years to kind of get this thing figured out. But they are acting like they're ready right now for sure. Number four, free agent spender, Tennessee Titans. Uh, defensive side of the ball as well. Many of these teams went defense in terms of free agent spenders, but where where are we with Tennessee? They just seem like the uh, you know the kid. If you've got nine kids, this is the one kid that kind of always gets left out, or you forget to take with you on vacation and things like that. It just seems like that they're getting left out of a lot of these conversations. Yeah, I agree. And when you're saying number four, I, I, that was kind of a surprise to me. I was not expecting them to be that high in, in free agency spending. But, you know, that, that is another team that they've got so many weapons on there that sort of uh, push all the chips in right now, because especially they traded for Julio. So I'm, you can't fault them with what they've got on the roster and the quarterback that they have, the running back, some of those wide receivers. And, you know, so – Going the uh, defensive side, they're just trying to balance themselves out, but they're pushing themselves in to do what they can to get as deep into the playoffs as possible. I'm just not sure they did enough defensively. That's my assessment. But look, Colts, without a quarterback right now, Jaguars, who knows? They think they're good. And Houston, who the hell knows? (laughs) Okay, that's the division. So, you know, Vegas says 10 on Tennessee, Scott. I guess that's all you need to win. That's the Dallas number, right? So yeah, it's probably going to look a lot like that. I just don't think many people think they can get to the finish line. But if you're betting division, if you're betting wins, I like the Titans over any of these other teams right now, any of them. And and I'm not discrediting the Colts. I think the Colts have a very nice roster, but Carson's going to have to show me something once he returns to full health. And until he does, I'd take Tannehill over Carson Wentz. Yes, I would agree with that statement too. Okay, fifth and free agent spending. Your New York Giants, sir. Kenny Galladay, Adore Jackson from Tennessee, by the way. I, I like this team a lot. Um, not enough to bet him over Dallas. But as a wild card, I, I like this team. I think Daniel Jones is adequate, slightly above average. There's a chance with the weapons he has now, because he does have them. If he gets Saquon Barkley back healthy, if Evan Engram, the tight end, really takes a step forward, and certainly the Galladay, you know, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and a couple of the rookies, Tony, if a couple of these guys really hit this year, Dave Gettleman and that and that Giants organization has at least tried. You can't say they haven't tried. They kept Leonard Williams after acquiring him from the Jets. There's some good defensive players now on that roster after really gutting it 18 months ago. And here they are, fifth in free agent spending, $152 million. So there's an effort being made. And I think a lot of it, though, turns back to Daniel Jones. Is he the guy? Can he be the guy? How long do you do you give him that leash? Because it's going to be extension eligibility after 2021, as I noted in our last show. You know, you've spent now a lot of draft, free agent, and trade capital to rebuild the rest of your roster. Is it a situation where if Daniel Jones is just meh this year, are you ripping that that part of it up and starting over? You might have to. You might have to be going after a veteran quarterback. You know, maybe Derek Carr or something like that. Um, one of these guys that, that are going to fall off a roster, Garoppolo, maybe a great fit for the Giants in 2022. I, that's how I see this team right now. Above average, probably wild card contention, but 
the spotlight is 100% on the quarterback position. Yeah, it is. And if, if you feel that Daniel Jones is not your future after this year, then you got to rip the bandaid off now because yeah, you don't want right? to, you don't want to end up in a Mitchell Trubisky Chicago bears situation where you're dragging your feet and humming and hawing. And speaking it, of that's it, another good fit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could be. Um, so I think you're right with all the, uh, spending to try to see where things can go. If you have the pieces around the quarterback and you feel the quarterback is not the piece, then you got to move on from it, whether it's in the draft, depending on where you are in the draft or just go in for the free agent and, and push it all in. Oh yeah. The the last two to three years now have shown us that there, there will be a quarterback available somehow for you via trade, via free agency. You know, you could acquire Kirk cousins next year. I bet the Vikings would love it. <laughs> right. So there's going to be opportunities to get the quarterback, maybe Matt Ryan out of Atlanta. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a very one dimensional situation with New York right now. The rest of the roster is pretty good. But, and if Daniel Jones isn't, it's one and done for him. Yeah. And, and you don't want to get, if you don't feel that he is your future, you don't want to get into that extension and, and be, you know, hurt like a car, um, Carson Wentz mm-hmm. or a Jerry Goff situation. That's why I say if, if you are leaning one way or another and you feel that you do not, as the New York Giants feel that he is going to continue to succeed and grow, then you just got to rip that bandaid off and move on. Yeah. All right. Top extensions. Most expansion money spent this offseason thus far. Obviously, there's more coming. So this is a bit of a snapshot conversation. No question. It's the bills at the top. $340 million. Josh Allen, Matt Milano, Darrell Williams, you know, Micah Hyde. A lot of big names coming back for the next couple of seasons. They want to win. They want to win for two to three years. It's a very Chiefs-like situation, and they did a great job locking in those contracts. The uh, Jamal Adams pushed Seattle's number to second, Scott. 177 now for Seattle this offseason in just extension total contracts. Jamal Adams, Tyler Lockett, Gabe Jackson, some notable pieces. That Lockett contract, you know, if you're a fantasy guy out there, Tyler Lockett, I know Metcalf's going to be the sexy pick off that roster, but Lockett's been really consistent. He's got a really good relationship with Russell, who didn't get traded, by the way. And that's a guy probably not getting talked about enough. And he's not, he's there. I mean, he's fully guaranteed now for two and a half years. So something to think about if you're, uh, if you're in a fantasy draft situation over the next seven to 10 days. Colts are third based on two guys. <laughs> Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. Two guys, two extensions, $170 million. They both had to get done. One's a right tackle. One's your, you know, your off-ball linebacker. They were no-brainer contracts. They both constructed very well. We'll go through some win totals here in a second, Scott. Dallas is fourth on this list, and it's all Dak. It's all Dak. And then fifth. Here's the team I want to kind of break down a little bit because we haven't done it in a couple of weeks. The fifth most expansion money spent in the NFL, Scott. Take a guess. We did a whole show about him a couple months ago. With how, with, yeah, with how you teed it up. It's got to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. It is your reigning champion Bucks. They were out, they ran it back with all 22, right? $150 million plus spent on extensions. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a couple of those guys actually got to free agency itself. So it's a bit of a uh, mishmash number in terms of the total spending. But are they even being talked about enough? I mean, we, we talk about Tom Brady all the time. Everybody does. But have we talked about this roster enough? It, is it, why isn't this roster being considered better? They added two running backs. They, I think it's better. OJ Howard's going to be a healthy tight end at some point. I, I, I think they're really, really good. Really good. 
Yeah, especially having the experience together, the chemistry to gel. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. They're they're probably not being talked about enough, but that's because of the other aspects that are going on. Josh Allen getting extended, is Baker Mayfield going to get extended? There's there's other hot stove topics that are going to to right. override the Tampa Bay Bucks. But <laughs> as soon as that Thursday night opener happens the conversation is going to switch back to it for sure. Panthers with Sam Darnold saints with, I, I don't know. What's your, <laughs> what, what's your guess? Is it James or Taysom? James. I'm going to say James. Okay, saints with Taysom Panthers with Sam Darnold Falcons with Matt Ryan, but really just no defense yet on that roster. Why, why shouldn't the bucks win every single division game? I mean, the, the number to start making money is 13 on this team. So Vegas is saying 12 is going to happen. I guess that's right, but that means there's five games they're not they're not sure about. I, I don't even know about that. Um, this is, I, I'm this is say, just a slam dunk to January for me with this team. Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Atlanta a little more credit than most are probably going to okay. give them. Um, I, I think they could probably at least split with the Bucks. You know, the weapons they added. I think they, they did last year too, didn't they? Yeah, I think you're right. And um, so I'm going to give them more credit. The Panthers and the Saints, I I, I, I got to think that the, the Bucks can roll over those two teams at least to start the season. So where are they going to find those other four losses? I don't know. I'd have to look at the, the their schedule to know. But I, I agree. There's something to be said for, for a team that, you know, Sort of like we just talked about with the Buffalo Bills. You have guys that are coming back where they could have gone and gotten way more money, but they decided to come back for one less year or a little bit less money to to run it back. And there's something to be said for that chemistry. And you're bringing in uh, some other pieces, depth at the quarterback with having that uh, drafted and then some running backs. And, you know, they were in a position to be deep, and in almost every position. I agree. I, I am looking at schedule now, by the way, quickly. There's some games. I mean, the, uh, the NFL definitely squeezed some primetime value out of, the, out of TB12 and these Buccaneers. They play the Cowboys. They play the Rams. They play the Patriots on Monday night, by the way. They play the Bears. They play the Bills. Um, so there's some competition there. Outside of the division, no question about it. There's going to be some uh, some tough games, so I guess the uh, to, to get yourself the 13 wins is probably easier said than done right now. But this is a damn yeah. good team. They were a damn good team last year. They really found themselves after week eight and didn't look back at one iota. So uh, I think they're better this year. That's all I'm saying. I think their division is worse and they are better. So from a divisional standpoint, that's that's an easy slam dunk for me in my opinion. Okay. Um, Let's talk Seahawks over under the, the number two free agent spenders here. Where do you think Scott tough division? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough to get him to 10 according to Vegas. Yeah. So if you like that roster. If you think the, uh, the offense is going to tick and I don't know why you wouldn't Chris Carson's back and healthy. They did add a couple of tight ends. I don't. I think that's a position of weakness and possibly a Zach Ertz landing spot. But 
there's some wide receivers that can get down the field. There's no question about it. And if they're going to let Russ cook like they did for six weeks last year, they can certainly pile up some wins early on. Yeah, uh, you know, you're you're right. That that division between the Rams and the 49ers, and they're they're all gonna they, they could all go one and one with each other. Throw the Arizona Cardinals in there, you know. So it could be a a, a puncher's chance as far as that. Ten wins. I, I guess I could see that, but you know, if that team comes under that ten, you know, Russell's going to have some words. He's going to want out for sure. And the fact that they're extending and you know bringing in some mm-hmm. pieces, you know, at what point do the Seahawks have to consider? You know, do you do you? bite the bullet and extend Wilson uh, some more. Do you, do you just have to trade him and move on and hope that you hit lightning in a bottle again, because that's what you did with Russell Wilson. You hit lightning in a bottle and with a fourth round pick. So let me put it this way for you, Scott, because you're right. It's a big, it's a huge year for Seattle. And I think they know that. I I think the pressure has been put on them publicly. Clearly let's put it this way. We, We both, I think agree that we like the 49ers who were six and 10 last year with those injuries. They're going up. They're going to win more than six. The Cardinals were eight and eight. Do we think they're a better than eight, eight win team? Yeah, probably slightly. The Rams now have Matt Stafford. They won 10 games last year. Are they better than 10 wins? Yes. Okay. So the Seahawks won the division at 12 and four last year. That, that has to mean that they come down has to. Yeah. Yes. So if that's the, the thinking, the conventional thinking, then Russell Wilson's going to be a Raider next year. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's, or, or a saint. By the transitive property. Yeah. Or a saint. Actually, that's a very sneaky good answer. All right. Uh, Colts. Let's finish with the Colts in this, this category. Then we'll move on to some trades, man. You take it. I don't want to trash Carson Wentz yeah. without seeing him there because I actually think the change of pace is you good know, for him. I, I, I completely agree. And I, you know, I've been on the record of guys that get traded from teams that they need out. And we've talked about that in the NBA plenty. You know, I, I'm kind of was hoping to see him in with Frank Reich again, yeah. with some other weapons, with a defense that is ready to win. That team was ready to win. And you put him in there. I, I really want to see how well he's going to do. My guess is that team is probably at what nine nine and a half wins we'll potentially never know because they're off the board with the quarterback situation. But if we just think about it like we just thought about the other division, right? If we if we talk about this AFC South, uh, do, do we think the Titans are going to win the division, or is it really neck and neck with the Colts? Because um, at that point, we can just use the Titans reference, which is ten. Both of them won eleven last year, by the way, eleven and five. They're probably right on par with the Titans, if not a little bit below. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my original thought, which was I'll take Tannehill over Wentz right now until I see it. Yep. Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah, so I'm going to take them under 10. I'm going to take them. I'm going to take Tennessee to go 11, 12, and uh, the Colts to be under right now. But obviously, that that roster is built to win. So if the quarterback position so, can stabilize, it's, they should do a lot of good things. So I have an article that says nine and a half for the Colts, but that was back. May 9th. So that was pre. Yeah, lots changed. 
<laughs> oh, right. A lot's changed, but they had them around nine and a half there. So, yeah. Okay. Your top draft spenders. You should be able to run through this pretty easily. <laughs> Are you looking? I am, but it's it's a gimme. Yeah. Jags, Jets, Bengals, yeah. Dolphins, Falcons. Yeah. Um, no surprises. No surprises there. Of those five teams, who has the best 2021? I think you buried the lead with the, with your Falcons before, right? Yeah, I, Falcons. <laughs> I think they're going to have the best. Okay, out of those five. So Dolphins are down. They're just in a tough division. Bengals could be sneaky. You know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh are going to win some games for sure. But, you know, if Burrow figures this out, Burrow, Burrow showed some things, and they've got some really fast, athletic kids around him right now. I'm not sure about they the do. offensive line yet, but I think I'm a big Joe, for, Joe Burrow fan, at least the, out of the gate here. All right, the teams that didn't do anything. And I say that specifically. We understand the Eagles being first on this list. They are the the low man on the totem pole in terms of offseason spending at 112, which is, you know, 320 million less than the Bills spent this year. That's fine. <laughs> they traded away their quarterback. They already had the rookie quarterback in tow. So what's interesting about this, Scott, is that this is not a team that is necessarily going backwards. Would you think about them that way? I mean, they had a ton of dead cap no. piled up. They had to relieve some, you know, they were in the Saints boat where they had to release some players. They had to trade some players just to get cap neutral. But I'm not even sure they're going to be worse this year than they were last year. No, I don't think so either. They they got the stud, Devonta Smith, for, right. you know, Jalen Hurts to throw to. They did some other moves. So I, I don't think they're necessarily worse just because they didn't spend I, I'd be curious to see how much of that, you know, they're probably what in the top 10 for draft spenders. Got my right, guess is got it right here for you. It's a good question. Uh, that is, they are exactly 11th. Pretty Ooh, close. 11. Yeah, exactly 11th with, so, nine, with nine draft picks. Yep. So, I mean, they spent in, they had to spend in the draft. So there's some value there. So just because they didn't, go and spend like the, you know, the Jaguars or the bills or anything like that. You know, if they feel that their roster is decent enough to win some games and you think you have your cheap quarterback to move forward, then. Yeah. You know what this feels like, Scott, uh, you're the big basketball guy. So I'll kind of bring it back to that conversation for you. This feels like year one of Trey young joining the Hawks. Right, everybody was kind of dodging that move because it wasn't Luka Doncic. Because yep. there was, you know, there was a lot of what ifs. He was kind of a one-dimensional player, and yep. halfway through that first season, and, and I'll by the way, I'm going to call this Jalen Hurts' first season. Let's be realistic, <laughs> you know. I mean, he was yes. thrown into an absolute dumpster fire situation last year that got the coach fired. By the way, and uh, he's had some normalcy now. He's got a roster that he can kind of build around a little bit here. So this is year one for Jalen Hurts. The, the Atlanta Hawks figured some things out internally with Trey Young about halfway through that first season to the point of where they got on the horn that next offseason and said, give me every veteran we can find that can do this and this. I don't care if we have to trade for him. I don't care if you have to acquire him with cap space. I don't care if we have to find you know a certain couple of players through the draft. We need to add significant bodies to this roster to, to get around this kid right now because we love him. I feel like that's what we're headed towards with Jalen Hurts. If he puts together an eight to 10 week run that really stabilizes himself in that position. This Eagles number is not going to be 112 next year. It's going to be 250, 270, 290, close to 300, 
with significant offseason free agent spending. They're gonna they're gonna build back around him immediately. So it's just a waiting game, you know. They they might have a diamond in the rough. They got to give it some time to mature and, and see what they have and, and research it, and then they'll be right back into the thick of things. That's this is not an organization that sits at the bottom too long. Let me put it that way. That that is an absolute great comparison with the Trey Young Atlanta Hawks situation because now. They're they're all in with the guys that they did and the spending that they did last offseason, bringing some of those players. Um, so I could definitely see the Eagles if they see that this is their future for yeah. sure and see those glimpses and that ceiling is high. They're they are definitely pushing chips in next year. I put out a hot stove tweet a couple of weeks ago that you know I, I don't regret it, but have you heard anything about Jalen Hurts this year? Anything? Nothing, no, nothing, I haven't. Nothing, right? Nothing. And the last time this happened, it was Russ. It was Russell Wilson, where everybody was kind of saying, what the hell is Matt Flynn going to do? The Seahawks team's going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, yep. Pete Carroll's like, hey, this guy we just got, he's freaking amazing. He's starting week one. <laughs> okay, I, I, There's a little, little bit of that with, with Jalen Hurts for me. Well, you know, Nobody's trashing him. Nobody's saying anything about him. There's some real young speedster talent weapons around him, both running backs and wide receivers. Zach Ertz isn't begging to get the hell out of town right now either, by the way. Another conversation that nobody's having. You know what I mean? He's a superstar. And everybody in the world thinks he's going to get traded or released, except for he's not even speaking this. You know, all these guys who are trying to force themselves off a roster, he hasn't done it once, Scott. Not once. Isn't there a chance that maybe this Jalen Hurts kid can really freaking play and everybody around him right now just kind of wants to see how this one year goes before they really make rash decisions? I just think it's something to throw out there right now at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. All right. Houston's second in doing nothing, which seems ridiculous because they signed 41 free agents. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. 41 I know you're not. free agents, <laughs> except for they were all one year, $1.1 million contracts. And half of those guys are already cut. So <laughs> it was basically like doing everything, but doing nothing at the same time. Uh, we shouldn't even comment on this team. You know, we're Tyrod Taylor fans growing up kind of Buffalo, you know, as Bills fans. He's going to be the week one starter. And there's no question about that right now. So if at least that's something to root for is that's a good guy who's had a weird, a super weird career. And look, Brandon Cooks is on this roster. David Johnson's on this roster. There's some talent there. I, I just, I, I don't know. They're going to win some games that are going to piss some people off, but I, I have no idea how to evaluate that team. Here's certainly a team that everybody's going to try to evaluate. The third do-nothing team, and won't this make the quarterback happy? Your Green Bay Packers, Scott. 134 overall. They haven't extended Devontae. They didn't add new money to Aaron Rodgers, so that's not factored in here. The only extension they had was one year, 48, or excuse me, four years, 48 million to Aaron Jones, the running back. That's it. And then there's some free agent noise and some draft noise. That's it for this offseason. That's normal for the Packers, by the way. But in a year where the quarterback basically said, I hate this team because they do nothing constantly. This team continued to do nothing constantly. So, uh, yeah, status. Yeah, I don't know. I still love them. I still love Aaron Rodgers. I still like the Packers a lot. What do you think about their win totals? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say ten and a half. Yeah, it's eleven. Eleven. Vegas says eleven. You can start to win money on twelve if you like it that much, but. Uh, Divisionally speaking, you know, golf at Detroit, Cousins and an uninspired Vikings roster, and then the Bears, which the Bears might get in their own way this year. You know what I mean by that? Like, they're freaking really good, 
and they're going to screw this Dalton Fields thing up, right? Yeah, as a Bears fan, you hope not. You hope they they do the right thing, but you're right. They they could be their own worst enemy with the pieces that they have on that yeah. roster right now. Yeah, I think so too. I hope not because I think I like a lot of those players. I, I root for a lot of those guys. And there's a lot of financial things to look at at that well, roster it, too. So I'll be staring at the it, Bears for a couple of months now. <laughs> well, in, with the Bears, you, you you make a great point when you talk about Earths with the Eagles, yeah. you know, Allen Robinson. That's right. He, on the he signed there. the franchise tag. It's a great point, Scott. And he he hasn't really said anything about get me out of no. here. So he probably the wait the year, see if Fields does start, and see how that is. And then all right, pay me now because I just caught all these balls and touchdowns from our rookie quarterback here. So similar situation. Yeah, I think that I think we're saying the same thing. Like play Justin Fields, open up Allen Robinson down the field, use Darnell Mooney, who everybody knows is a superstar WR two. You got you got a young tight end who should break out this season. David Montgomery already broke out last season. Everything else is pointing way up for this team. Just don't even mess around with Andy Dalton. Don't. He he's a great guy, a great quarterback, but you've got a diamond in the rough sitting there. Let him go. Let him out of the cage and let him go. It's I I, I think they're gonna screw that up for a few weeks, though. We'll see. Um Okay. The last two do nothingers. I mentioned the Vikings. I mentioned uh, Kirk Cousins and his kind of instability. I've talked about that a lot on, on this podcast, Scott. Nothing really worth talking about. They, they've kind of restarted through the draft. They've got some really nice pieces. They could win this division for all I know. But I, I think they're on the outside looking in, truly. And they know it. And they just decided, let's pause on spending for this year, see where things go next year. We may have to make a quarterback change, which is gonna could be expensive if we have to pay some of Cousins' contract to get him out of here. I just think there's a big holding pattern with that team. And exact opposite for the Rams. There's a holding pattern, but it's because they brought in a brand new quarterback who they're probably going to love immediately. And they're going to pay him $47 million a year. And Matt Stafford, who is going to then vault himself to the number one spot in Andrew Brandt's business hall of fame. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just think that's how I read those teams. There's really no way of looking at it. Um, I want to quickly move to this before I get you out of here, Scott. Speaking of Matt Stafford, one of the things that's really coming to fold with big time teams, contending teams, and whether they they were to start the year or they became as such throughout the year is many of these teams that get to the finish line did so because they made at least one big trade that worked out huge for them, right? Last year, it was the Diggs move to Buffalo. I'm going to give you five trades this year that I think could be candidates for, if not a Super Bowl, a significant jump up from last year to this year in terms of the standings. Okay. Here's your five. I'll start backwards. Like I ranked them, but it was kind of a loose ranking. So the first one's the least sexiest. It's a, it's a center. It's Rodney Hudson moving from the Raiders to the Cardinals for a third round pick. If you remember, there was like a four, like, like a four day window where the Raiders completely disheveled their offensive line. They brought back a couple of the guys, but then they, they moved a guy to left, left tackle, signed him to a bunch of money. Rodney Hudson was the starting center and kind of the veteran presence on this team. And now he's that guy for the Arizona Cardinals. I I don't think that's a small thing, especially for a young quarterback with Kyler Murray. I think having this guy could be a gigantic step forward for Kyler Murray. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've seen that happen before. All right. I've got three quarterbacks and another offensive lineman. Two offensive (laughs) linemen on this list, unprecedented. I'll start with Orlando Brown, um, who wanted out of Baltimore because he wanted to play left tackle. He goes from the Baltimore Ravens to the Kansas City Chiefs, which if you think about those two teams, 
coming together for a trade, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't happen in the NBA. You're not going to have the Lakers and the Clippers making a huge starters trade, you know, right before the season. That's just, that's just kind of unprecedented, but that we're here. Um, he's going to get paid a ton of money after he gets franchise tagged next year. There's no question about that, but he goes from the right tackle on the Baltimore Ravens to the left tackle for Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. Just your thoughts on that, Scott. Huge. Huge. Yeah. We've talked about that with the offensive line and what happened in the Super Bowl. And they went out, they spent, they traded, they did what they needed to to make sure that offensive line was ready. That's where the games are won. The, you have to have those players that are legit to make sure your quarterback can do what he needs to. Same with the Rodney Hudson. You know, I, yeah. I cannot fault them for going to get that center because – you know, we saw that with the Buffalo Bills when they went and signed Mitch Morse. You know, it, it's a position that is probably undervalued extremely. But if you get the right guy in there, it's yeah. going to change how that offense works, how the chemistry with the quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think those are the that's that's like um, that, that sneaky trade in baseball where you get that you know fourth starting pitcher sure. that that helps in the postseason becomes the long reliever in the postseason that's exactly right yes. yeah that's exactly right this 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 move probably won't matter for much of the regular season but come crunch time having this rebuilt offensive line as we saw it was their deficiency in the super bowl because they didn't have the depth to make it last they certainly accounted for that this offseason no question and if you don't believe me that he's going to get a ton of money orlando brown this is what they gave up to get him a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth for the right to pay him left tackle money, which is now $24 million. So yikes, that's coming soon. Not, if, I don't think next year, I think he's going to get a franchise tag and he's, he's going to have to live with it next year, but um, it's coming. We've seen that before with these big time trade acquisitions. Okay. Stafford, Wentz, Sam Darnold. There's your quarterback trades. Which one? Stafford. Uh, yeah, it's a, okay. Let's just Stafford. take him out of the conversation because I think we both think the Rams could win the Super Bowl this year. Yes. Carson yes. Wentz, Sam Darnold. Wentz is definitely on a better team. Darnold has more to play for right now, though. More to play for. Uh, ha- has to prove that being out of New York That's was right. the right. It, you know what? It is really a similar conversation between those two yeah. that we just talked about with Wentz, where needing to go to a different team, different scenery, different organization. They're both in the same boat. I think out of the two, Darnold is the one that has more to play for because if this is a fizzle out, he's going to be the next Josh Rosen, you know, where he's just another quarterback going from team to team trying to be the backup quarterback. So Vegas says seven for those Panthers. It's not good news for Sam Darnold. That's not good news, but I'm not surprised by that number. <laughs> but it's a two-year plan. They're not going to kill is. him after next year. It's a two-year plan. So um, it's it, it'll be tough to grade him after this year, even if it is seven, eight wins. But, you know, Stafford is the top of this list. That's the, that's the trade we all think should work out immediately because of the roster and the defense and the coach and all the things that go with the Rams this year. But it, it could be that Orlando Brown as Patrick Mahomes left tackle is the exact reason that they win the Super Bowl again. Could it not? It, it absolutely could be. And the last thing I'll say about these trades is I'm glad to see that there are some of these kind of blockbuster trades happening yes. more in the NFL because 
if you think of the last three championships in the NBA, there was a player that was traded to that team that significantly helped that team get to the championship. So where you had Drew Holiday to the Bucks, Anthony Davis was traded to yep. the Lakers, and you had Kawhi Leonard traded to the Toronto Raptors, and all three were significant trades. Now I get the rosters are smaller, but in the NFL, if you can hit on a blockbuster trade that gets you over the hump, mm-hmm. if this works out where any of these, you know, if the Stafford, the Orlando Brown, you know, if those work out, I hope that we start seeing more teams making efforts for these kinds of trades to upgrade their roster. Yeah, but if you just think about the last couple of Super Bowl winners, right? If you talk about, obviously, last year, Tampa Bay didn't acquire Tom Brady via trade. They, they used him free agency, but they acquired a bunch of other players, right? They acquired Rob Gronkowski. They acquired a couple of defensive players. Yeah, you're if, right. If, if you think about the 49ers, we just talked about it. They, they they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. They sent a second round pick to the Patriots to get their quarterback who took them to the Super Bowl. This stuff is not a fluke. This is happening all over the place. We talked about baseball, Verlander with the Houston Astros. There's going to be a player who was moved this offseason, maybe Chris Bryant to the Giants, that is playing in the World Series this year. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. So significant movement is not an accident when it's the right player to the right team. You just have to kind of figure out that mathematical equation on the fly and hope it works out. Um, it's going to happen again this year. And I think Stafford's the easy one to look at. And it might be the right one to look at. I think it makes the most sense. Yeah. Good stuff, man. We'll be back soon so with some NBA roundups, okay? All right. Sounds good. All right, my thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. And of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Get yourself on track. Prospective athletes, current athletes, the whole works. Morganstanley.com slash GSE. And if you're looking for a bridge against your next contract, especially guaranteed earnings, balancedbridge.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. <laughs>